he said, you're going to know when, and I did know when, right? We're back inside. This is incredible. This is incredible. Look at this. Uh, my, buddy, uh, my buddy Steve printed this up for me. Back inside. We're back inside. I feel uh, there was a comedian on one of these talk shows talking about, what, you can't hear me? Oh, okay. It just says back inside. Okay, you can't infer it. Yeah, okay. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. We're back inside for the foreseeable future. Uh, I, I, was, I saw a comedian the other day talking about how um, doing comedy routines outside sharpened his game, and so he entered back in. He's, he feels like he's on steroids. As, we were, as we've been in here, just I was here yesterday when they were rehearsing. This is awesome. I can't, I can't even I can't even say it loud enough. It's, yeah, I guess we can just applaud for like twenty minutes to make do for the four hundred and something days that we've been apart. Um, but I am so grateful you're here. And today is July fourth, two thousand twenty-one. Last time we were in here was March eighth, two thousand twenty. Um, let's pause and just celebrate the truth that we're back and we're safe, and God carried us through. And we have so many reasons to praise the, the God who we're going to worship. Because we've got a lot of stuff going on. We're celebrating the independence of our country, right? Fourth of July. Okay. And we're also, do you remember I, I preached on Easter that we are second Exodus people. 2018, this guy N.T. Wright wrote this book, Rock My World, with just the question, if atonement is the main reason Jesus came why didn't he come on the Day of Atonement? Why did he come on the, during Passover? And it introduced me to this thing, so I, to this idea that I've missed for so much of my following Jesus is another thing that happens with the resurrection of our Lord is we participate in a second exodus. And we're going to gather around this table our first time together back together, and we're going to actually get the timeliness and the opportunity to celebrate that when Jesus rose from the dead, our citizenship became that of the kingdom eternal, triumphant, forever. We are free from sin, and we are free from death. Sorry, I just have a lot to preach on, so I had to cover that in the, uh, in the announcements, too. Uh, <laughs> so this is a communion service. If you're listening on the podcast, and I know Glenn is up in Woodby Island, and I know Ed is. And Ed is actually, he's in the trauma center up in Sam Gabriel area. And uh, I know he listens throughout the, the week. Thanks for listening in, uh, people that are listening on the podcast. This is a communion service, so have your elements ready. Um, next week, Amy, the Amy, preaches. And then uh, also this Tuesday, uh, this is the jam. Uh, Troy will be opening up the choir room if we ever get that guy a key. And then we're going uh, to jam. Um, and now I don't get to do a call to worship. We get to hear some 
It's some excellent music. Here we go. I'm getting out of the way. Cornell, hit it. stand for this morning's call to worship and it comes from us it comes to us from Psalm 48 verses 9 and 10 Lord as we worship you in your temple we recall over and over your kindness to us and your unending love the fame of your name echoes throughout the entire world accompanied with praises Your right hand is full of victory. Let us worship the Lord singing the battle hymn of the Republic, hymn number 692.
this time, I welcome all the children up. It's been a while, I know. We, we sit here for those who don't remember. <laughs> so how many of you can tell me what we're celebrating today? I thought you were going to say the day before my birthday, but yes, you're right. <laughs> Fourth of July, yes. So that's right. We're celebrating the 4th of July or Independence Day. Do you know what independence means? Sort of. Free from something. It means freedom. And in our country, we enjoy a lot of freedom. We are free to come to church, especially today, and worship. We are free to choose what we want to be when we grow up. We are free to choose where we want to live. We are free to choose most of the things that affect our daily lives. Now, this might come as a surprise to some of you, but did you know that freedom isn't free? That's right. Someone had to pay the price for us to have the freedom that we enjoy. There are men and women right here in this room that this morning that I've helped to pay that price. Some have served in the Army, the Navy, Marines, or the Air Force, and many of them have fought in wars, and some may have even been wounded. There are probably some people in here this morning who had loved ones who had paid the ultimate price for our freedom, and that's meaning that they've given their lives fighting for that freedom. So yes, we have lots of freedoms, but the greatest freedom that we have is the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches that the penalty of sin is death. But you and I have been set free from this penalty. We have been set free because Jesus paid that penalty. The Bible tells us that Jesus died to set us free from the penalty of sin. Instead of death, we have been given eternal life. This freedom wasn't free. Jesus paid the price. So today as we celebrate Independence Day, let us remember to stop and thank God for those who have paid the price for our freedom. But even more important, let us remember to thank God for Jesus who has set us free from the penalty for sin because he was willing to pay that price. Pray with me. Dear God, thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in our country. We are thankful for those who pay the price for that freedom. But even more important, we thank you for the freedom we have because Jesus was willing to pay the penalty for our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And at this time, all children and youth are dismissed to Sunday school. Good morning. Glory, glory, hallelujah it is. It is so wonderful to be back inside. I don't have a shirt, though. (laughs) (laughs) All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came to us through Christ Jesus. Standing on that unwavering promise, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor together. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, 
In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore us to joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. Amen. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Or stand. I mean, whatever you want to do, it's Presbyterian Pentecostal Day, so let's go. Jason, stand. Well, Jesus said this. You can summarize the law and the prophets by one statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and Luke adds strength. So let's think about that. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That was pretty good. Almost, almost celebratory, like it's patriotic day or something. I will serve. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Sing it again. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Repeat after me. I will love you. I will love you. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will serve you. I will 
with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Sing, I will love you. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Last time. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength.
How great is our God? Man. Okay. Now you got to start praying that I don't fall off this thing again. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's the, that's the downside. But we're back inside. This is crazy. The, when I learned that song, it was 2003. And we had moved to Jersey, my wife, and uh, Zeke hadn't been born yet. And I went to, uh, my, my mom died of cancer that year. And then we went to, I went to Nashville to this National Youth Workers Convention. And that song was introduced to me, or I was introduced to that song. And it's very similar to this moment, right? Even the Battle Hymn of the Republic, that hallelujah's got a little more sadness in it, right? It's got to save us from this ourselves and our pain and our misery. Um, and the title of my sermon this morning is, What Do We Do Now? And we're looking to Ezra as he, they've been um, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and destroyed the place. And so then it's been several hundred years Ezra shows up and Nehemiah. They're simultaneously they're contemporaries. A lot of people say you should read Ezra and Nehemiah together. It's like Luke and Acts um, in the New Testament. And they're going back into the temple for the first time in hundreds of years. And we learned his, he prays right before he goes in. That was last week. And what do we learn from his prayer of what we should be doing
broken. An unholy, a holy, not unholy, a holy discontent. It's not okay. And he, he's, he's upset that the Babylonians made a mess of the place. And we can be upset of the whole COVID-19 and us being spread out. But ultimately, he shows us what we should be doing is looking at our own hearts. Looking at our hearts as a people and as individuals. And I raised the question, as a church, um, what do we be, what do we need, what's, what's the sin we need to let go of? And I failed to mention, as individuals, we should be pondering that. So he goes into the temple in his holy discontent and his Humility continue. And we pick it up there. So everybody, it's nice. It's, uh, there'll be some smiles eventually. <laughs> I look it out and everybody's like, man, this is really sad. Okay. <laughs> but it is, it's a somber moment, but there's also joy mixed in. You'll see in a second. But um, let's open our Bibles to Ezra chapter 10. And I'm just going to read five verses, and I think it's going to be up on the screen. I'm not sure. Yeah, look at that. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel. The people also wept bitterly. Shechaniah, son of Jael, of the descendants of Elam, addressed Ezra, saying, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. For now let us make a covenant with our God to send away all these wives and their children according to to the counsel of the Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Take action, for it is your duty, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra stood up and made the leading priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear that they would do as had been said. So they swore. This is the word of the Lord. First, Ezra's humility draws a crowd. Who's been in a place where um, someone starts weeping and it triggers something inside you and you automatically jump in with them? Raise your hand. Active participation, sorry. You giggled. <laughs> I don't mean to boss everybody around. I also, I just want to make sure that everybody's in the conversation with us, right? But it draws a crowd, and men, women, and children come. 
What do we do now? We humble ourselves. We're not that we have it all the answers and we have it put together. We're the quick to admit when we're wrong. We're the broken, the, the torn, and the tattered. Amen? It sounds like he's describing me and he's describing you and I. I, I feel like this is kind of confirmation. PCC, I love you. I say it a lot, but I don't want it to lose meaning. I love this about this, about our people. We don't have a type, we don't have the, the, the people that rule over people. We have a, a magnet for the weak and the wounded. Right? So kudos. I, this first point, I just want to encourage you and say, thank you. Thank you for being you. I was working up at Forest Home, and I was the, uh, one of the men's deans of student. And somewhere along the way, my friends had introduced me to this donut shop in Glendora <laughs> called The Donut Man. You ever heard been in the Donut Man? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've been to the Donut Man. This is this is the this is a very decisive moment, you know, in my career. Uh, there's this this donut shop. It's open 24 seven, and during strawberry season, they make a glazed kind of a jelly filled donut, but they don't fill it with jelly. They chop up strawberries, dump it in a bucket, pour that apple. Uh, the cherry, like the strawberry filling stuff on there. So it's like a strawberry pie in a donut with whole strawberries. Well, actually, they're cut in half. And they do the same thing during peach. So I'm up at Forest Home, right? Have you been to Forest Home? Do you know where Glendora is? Uh, Yeah, it's a very far trek. Raise your hand if you have cheap parents. I didn't have a car. I have cheap parents. I was up at Forest Home as an adult, as like leading these people, and I didn't have a car. And I was always stranded up there. Uh, but one of my main goals over the summer was on one of the nights to start talking to my boss at the time, Barry Martinez. You've heard him. Remember he preached from the driving? He was my boss, and I would wear him down. And usually around Thursday or Friday of each week, we'd go to Donut Man from Forest Home. Uh, it's about an hour and a half each way. Because you have to drive down from Forest Falls, go across the mountain range, and it's on the old Route 66. I feel like they're going to spike in sales because of this sermon. Uh, but my catchphrase was, who's with me? Who's with me? I did it for like one or two weeks, and then from then on out, they said, not me. <laughs> you know, my, my counterparts would say, not me. I'm not with you. Ezra says that with his mourning, with his sadness as his leader, as their leader. And I say that to you. Who's with me? Who's with me will be way stronger if we stay on the same page. And so Ezra's in there, broken. He's 
pulled out his hair. He's shaved his head. He's pulled his beard. He's broken, tattered. He's still mourning. Buddies show up. Actually, men, women, and children show up. And they're with him. And they mourn with him. And then they start to speak. Do you remember last, last, last week I said, there's no assurance of pardon. He's confessing and confessing. And he, he just says amen after saying, hey man, I'm terrible. And we are broken. And we've messed up so bad. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's kind of lingering at the end of his prayer. The assurance of pardon actually comes from the congregation from the people of God. And there's been times where you've done that for me already. Where I'm just on the ground and one of you says, says walks on the scene, puts their hand. There's hope. God's got us. I can't even count how many times it happened over this COVID period. And I want to thank you again for showing up. I'm looking at some of you, I'm just thinking, man, I could cry right now. I could just sit down a second and just cry because that is a sacred and beautiful thing. And what comes from the people? A call to repentance. A call to repentance. And I say that, that is, what do we do now? This is exactly what we do now. We do it Ezra and the people of God did as they entered back into the temple. And we do it on, with this in mind. We're free from de- death and sin because we're second Exodus people. But we, we, we come and we confess together. We don't want any of that stuff. What's that stuff? In Ezra, it's idolatry. It's worshiping other stuff and letting other stuff get involved with their relationship with God. I'm sure there's some of that still. But I think some of that is gossiping. That stuff is, some of that stuff is um, backstabbing. I think some of that stuff is taking out your angers and frustrations on one another rather than the enemy that has divided us, right? So they, they covenant. They make a covenant and they said, we're going to get rid of our sin. We're going to get as far away from it as possible. We're going to cut it out. And then they cut off stuff. They say, have it then what's the other part of the covenant? Take action. I remember um, I, we showed up in Jersey, like I said, no three. Um, do you remember what happened in New York in 2001? September 11th, right? I had kids in my youth group. They lost both parents. I remember we went to, um, as a leadership training, we went down to Princeton because my boss at the time had graduated from Princeton Seminary. There was a guy named Diogenes Allen teaching there. 
And somebody, and it was at the question and answer time at the end of our little session. And somebody asked, what do you think September 11th teaches us as a church? And Diogenes Allen just sat there. He was the head of the philosophy department. He's a real smart dude. And he said, he said I think it not only taught the church and the, I think it taught the world that moral relativism doesn't work. We can no longer say, you can believe whatever you believe and let me believe what I want to believe. Because we found out that if we let people believe what they're going to believe, that ends in the destruction and death of people. There has to be an absolute. That's what he said. And as I've been thinking, as we're back from this COVID-19, what has COVID-19 taught us? What has this pandemic taught us as a church? And as our pastor, and I'm saying who's with me, you say amen. I used to have this buddy at Teen Challenge. He goes, are you ready? And I would always go, ready for what? You're not ready. (laughs) That was just like that. (laughs) You're not ready. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Who's with me? Me or something. I don't know what you should respond, but... uh, I think what we need to take away from is no longer our faith in our maker is no longer in other people's prerogative. I don't know about you, but right at the beginning of this, I was wondering, what is this about? And actually, I was hanging, sorry to throw you under the bus, Lynn. But I was uh, talking with Lynn on Skype or something. And he said, I think he's separated us all so he could get us all alone. And say, hey, I, I not only did this for the world, I did this for you, Kirk. I did this for you, Susan. And he, he got us all separated. And I think that that's our number one lesson from COVID-19. I think there's going to be a renaissance. And I think it's going to hit right here if we're listening. If we have big ears and small mouths, we take this stuff in and we're going to take action. We're going to invite people that we should already be inviting to be a part of this crew. Right? That was a weaker yes than the before. <laughs> Just a heads up, people. Who's with me? Oh. so applications join in this humble revolution we're a group of people that found water in the desert and that's all we have to do is tell people where get away from sin because it's going to drag you down it's going to lead to your death and make a new covenant and I'll save that for as we approach this table. I was going to like print out a thing that we all sign. But I think that's a, that's a part of our new broken, humble revolution. Is it's no longer on pages. It's, it's written on our hearts. So as you approach this table, as we continue in worship, 
be thinking of the sins that you can cut out. Even as we listen to the offertory. And be thinking of the actions that God is calling you to. And it might be involved in this community, but God often calls you in actions that are right where you're at. He could be calling you to talk to a son or a daughter you haven't talked to in a while. He could be calling you to make men's, uh, men fences between friends. Let's continue worship and this, we, we receive our tithes and offerings right now. Um, and it, but we're not going to be passing any plates. If you're in the sanctuary, simply leave them at the offering plates at the doors. Um, and if you're at home listening on the podcast, please send them to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. This morning's offering is now received.
Just sit in this, in this for a second. It's crazy. Last year, I was still record. We were still on podcast only. Right? We would do those Zoom communions. Those are around now. Now we all get to be back in here, and I get to look you in the eye and say, "This is just excellent." I just want to sit here for a second. Well, it was a couple thousand years ago. And they had been doing this for a couple thousand years as a Passover feast, celebrating the Passover event where God freed the people of God, the Hebrews, from slavery in Egypt. Right? And the bread used to be unleavened. Why? He had to get out of town so quick they couldn't wait for the bread to rise. Right? This is like a Seder. I'm asking you a question. You guys are responding. This is excellent. And then the blood was that blameless blood of the lamb that gave its life that they would put over the doorpost that the angel of death would pass over the people of God's house and spare the youngest man or the baby boy. Jesus sat down with his 12 best friends. He said, we've been doing this, and this is a set the stage for me to show up and make a new covenant. Where my people gather around this table, and they declare that they're a second exodus people. This, this bread no longer is that Bread, we couldn't wait to rise. This is a symbol, actually, an outward, a symbol of an inward reality of my body being broken for anybody who proclaims me as Lord. That person claiming this bread is claiming that their sins are forgiven and that they're being freed as slaves of this world of sin and death and entering into their citizenship as a new people, a new second exodus people, kingdom of God people, citizens of heaven. Look to your right and look to your left and say, hey, did you know you're a citizen of heaven? After this, he, he gathered the 12 and he said, actually, let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for this table. I thank you that it's not a Presbyterian table. It's a people who need to be forgiven table. I thank you that you did uh, do all the work and forgive our sins and release us from this broken and hurting world. Um, I pray that you would continue to refine us by your grace and by your spirit. 
as we approach, I pray that you would search our heart and see if there's any ways that are pulling us away from you. And cleanse us of those. Call us to action through this table this morning. Call us back to the new covenant that you declared. And all God's people said, after this, he gave thanks and he, he broke this, the bread and he said, this is my body. Broken for you. And so I'll open my pod and there's a piece of wafer right underneath this thing. And if you need help, Where's Zeke? I'm just kidding. Body of Christ, broken for you. blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Come to me and never be hungry. Believe in me and never thirst. The gifts of God for the people of God take and drink in remembrance. Pray with me. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Amen.
holding together. Is this thing on yet, Philip? But don't hurt yourself. That's what Malia said. And Malia said, take it easy on Sharon, too. She's not that tall. Quit pulling her arm. <laughs> Receive this morning's benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Cornell's got a little...